on today's episode. The verse from Proverbs about speaking up for those who cannot speak for themselves, defending the defenseless. Yes, any Christian can and should do that, but I think that that's something that, again, should resonate particularly with, with, with men who are, who are called upon to be the ones to, to defend and to protect and to, and to speak up. Pretty much anything in the Bible that talks about fatherhood certainly in, informs this, that children are something to be treasured. Children are something to be cared for uh, as, as a father. That, that role is a real blessing and privilege that we should embrace. And uh, whether it's for ourselves or for, for other men, something that Scripture very clearly says, this is, this is not something that you throw away. Welcome to the Life Challenges podcast from Christian Life Resources. People today face many opportunities and struggles when it comes to issues of life and death, marriage and family, health and science. We're here to bring a fresh biblical perspective to these issues and more. Join us now for Life Challenges. Hi, and welcome back. I'm Krista Potratz, and I'm here today with pastors Bob Fleischman and Jeff Samuelson. Today we're going to talk about men and abortion and what a man's position can be when it comes to abortion. And I should just say, though, too, that we don't want our female listeners to turn off the podcast here. I think there's going to be a lot of great stuff. I'm, I'm looking forward to this discussion a lot here as well. And so we want to just really talk about... Um, today, a lot of different aspects when it comes to men and abortion, because one of the things I think, like just from a cultural standpoint now, is men don't have a place in the discussion. Men shouldn't really talk about abortion. And so maybe kind of just starting with what can a man's place be in this discussion? Well, it might help to understand how man lost their place in the discussion. In 1976, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled in Planned Parenthood, Danforth versus Planned Parenthood. They had ruled that women do not need the consent of their husbands or women don't need the consent of the unborn child's father in order to have an abortion. And part of that is it's a psychology or it's a strategy really that is 100% consistent with the way the abortion issue is portrayed in the public eye. And that is that we're not going to talk about unborn children. We're not going to talk about human life. We're not going to talk about conception and heartbeats and brainwaves. We're going to simply talk about the autonomous right any person has over their body. And then the abortion issue specifically a woman has over her body in the same way that if we were to talk about if men want to do things with their body, that women shouldn't have a say over that, except the argument, and which has always been the dividing point between abortion rights and, and pro-life people, the dividing point has always been the humanity of the unborn child. And society can sit there and talk like it doesn't exist. But the reality is, is it's biologically there and it's biblically there. There's an expression most of us are familiar, a yes man. That's kind of what the pro-choice, pro-abortion side really wants of men. If you are going to say anything, it has to be yes to whatever we're talking about. It's like, you know, feel free, speak your mind, so long as it's exactly what we, we say it should be. If you are going to say anything else that disagrees or that questions, well, then then you shut up. 
It's just it's been in the news just a little bit lately. Uh, GQ magazine did a long form interview with the congresswoman from New York, uh, Alexandria Ocasio Cortez, the AOC. And there's a fairly long section in there where she's talking about how men need to step up. And she's being very clear about it is what you need to do is step up on the side of advocating for abortion, of protecting these rights, of being there right there alongside with uh, alongside us. And it really is kind of revealing because she's basically saying this is in your interest, because otherwise you, you might father a child with a woman and you might not have the opportunity to get that child aborted. And uh, that is you know, a sad way of looking at it, but that has, has uh, unfortunately been a way that men have been, been approached and to a certain extent, re- extent reproached on this issue. Yeah, no, I think it's really interesting, too, just kind of how both of you kind of said, too, it's like you, as a man, I need to step up on the pro-choice side or not say anything at all because if you step up on the pro-life side and you're a man you you get attacked has that been your experience bob oh absolutely you're you're fine you can have an opinion as long as it's our opinion and it's gotten to be worse the the climate seems to be much worse in that regard there used to be this strong respect for at least it seems to be in my memory a strong respect for opposing opinions but nowadays if you don't if you don't take the company line you get squelched now i wanted to share a story with you that um, when i spoke to a high school gathering a number of years ago and i got done speaking and afterwards you know a couple of the students came by and we were talking and one one fellow stuck around and and when everybody left he just said can we talk um, I said, well, what's your next class? You know, and, uh, well, I have study hall. I go, well, okay, I'll mention it to the principal. And so we went and we talked and he broke down crying, telling me the story about how he had gotten his girlfriend pregnant and she had announced to him that she had aborted the child before he even knew that she was, she was carrying his child. And he said, it just never hit me that that my actions have led to the the killing of this child. And she and he goes, I had no say. She was not obliged to tell me. She didn't have to tell me she was pregnant. You know, I get not being told that she's going to have the abortion. I couldn't even have the opportunity to talk her out of it. And oftentimes people forget that it takes two to make the child. And some Times the man really can be a nice guy, could really have wanted some other solution, could have uh, opted for adoption, could have opted for uh, caring for the child. But this, this, this pervasiveness of this idea that it is strictly a woman's choice is, is nothing but a falsehood that if you say it enough, people are foolish enough to start believing it. And that's exactly what has been going on is there's been a number of times, you know, where men have come into my office, men have written me letters talking about having been isolated from what they see as one of the most important things of their life, the ability to continue the human race through procreation and to then have that swipe from you by one party. Now, the argument, of course, the pro-abortion argument is always my body, my choice, but it's a deceptive argument. Because the whole way that procreation occurs involves using a body as a receptacle to feed and grow and care for the child until it's old enough to survive outside the womb. 
and to all of a sudden say that that one person who could not have conceived that child without the participation of the man could now terminate the child's life is based on nothing more than a bunch of people who have an opinion that way, but it has no authority. It certainly doesn't have the authority of Scripture. What it does is it creates great hardship, great hardship. I mean, I've seen marriages that have been destroyed because the the woman didn't want the child and the husband wasn't even aware. And it's almost always they find out they're pregnant, they go for the abortion before the husband even finds out. And I think, you know, in, in some of the cases though, where the the husband and the wife maybe are both talking about the decision to have the abortion or not. And then the husband will say, well, you know, it's your choice. It's his way of maybe like washing his hands with it. And then that responsibility, that burden does fall solely on the the woman. And I mean, I can see that that would be a very difficult decision if you did have somebody who basically said, well, well, wait a minute, no, it is all on you. Because I I feel too, I mean, having like a a healthy marriage, um, to just being able to discuss these things together and and not, I mean, not obviously to have an abortion or not, but just when it comes to things that did affect my body, like, okay, I I might need a C-section and talking about that with, with my husband and how he can help me go through that or, you know, or what, whatever the, the case might be too. But just that, that very isolating to just say, okay, well, it's it's all on you, and I'm just going to step back. Yeah, and that that's an important bit of context that I think that we, we ought to not neglect to mention, that a lot of the reason for this, for this idea that's honestly held by, by a lot of women on the, on the pro-choice side is that traditionally it very often happened that when the woman got knocked up, so to speak, the man either disappeared entirely or said it's all up to you and uh, did not want to take responsibility for it and that that was what was happening in the majority of those cases abortion you know in, in cases that, that that bob mentioned where it's a, a married couple it's it's definitely a tragedy a wrong kind of situation but most of the time we're talking about unmarried people and uh men out of fear out of pride out of simple selfishness have very often left left women alone to deal with the problem that they helped create and of course that then creates a problem for men in general because they're all tarred with the same brush of irresponsibility and they're basically told then just stay out of this if you're going to create the problem and walk away from it well then we get the opportunity to also walk away from this problem which of course is a child mm-hmm. Yeah, no, and I thought it was um, interesting, too, how you brought up um, the AOC article and uh, also talked about just this idea that, okay, like, we're going to just tell men that you really need to be a part of this discussion now with pro-choice because now now you're kind of you're you're the reason women are getting abortions or could get abortions and um i just thought it was interesting too like with when the texas heartbeat law was passed and how then there were clinics reporting that men were getting more vasectomies because they you know they were they were now really concerned about this i mean what is your kind of take on something like that I think it goes to it goes back to really one of the earlier questions. You know, how how did we get to this point where where men are told to you know you don't have anything to say on this? Uh, part of it is selfishness. 
uh, a real self-centeredness on the part of men who want to be able to enjoy having sexual relations with, with women and not have to deal with the responsibilities of pregnancy. There's some people on the pro-life side who would say, you know, it, it all goes back to birth control. Once contraception was, was readily available, there was this idea that having you know, sexual relations was separated from pregnancy. Mm-hmm. And uh, then all of a sudden, you know, well, okay, when the pregnancy happened anyway, well, that's too bad. What do we do about that now? There's a definite selfishness involved there. I want to be able to do this. I want to be able to have my fun, but I don't want to face the consequences. And so I'm going to go along with this. And you know, I, I don't know the extent of it, but I, I remember reading on more than one occasion that uh, a, a prominent male figure who was very much on the pro-abortion side supporting Planned Parenthood and such was Hugh Hefner, the founder of the Playboy Enterprise, because he recognized this is good for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think too, just kind of you saying that this aspect of like, okay, men just want to have their fun type of thing. I mean, I think that is really then what the women really kind of came up against. Like, okay, well, if the men can have like their fun, so to speak, then, you know, I should be able to have my fun without any consequences. And so this idea of liberation where the woman now wants to be kind of like the man. Which is such a step down. Right. <laughs> and, and I'm not just saying that in kind yeah. of self-deprecating de- way. I think so. It, no, it, it's, it's giving up what is special and unique and wonderful about women, that, that they have this God-given blessed gift of being able to bear children. Yes, it makes them different. It makes them not able to, to compete with men in all the same ways. But so what? They're special. They're different. That's the way they're supposed to be. And to deny that is basically to say that I can't be a good woman unless I'm more like a man. Right. Yeah. And and that that is really something that we're seeing a lot in our culture, too. You know, part of the problem is, is that men, like women, are products of their upbringing. And oftentimes the Word of God was not central in the home. Oftentimes, there are other values, whether it's the pleasure value, whether it's convenience value, whatever it is, laziness value, uh, it all comes into play in this. When we started our home for mothers back in 1993, I still remember one of the house parents coming to the board meeting and saying, we got a problem. Now, you got to remember, we run a home for single mothers, and he's he's the house father, and you know, he, he announces to the board, he goes, these women all hate men. And he's the only man there, you know. So he was feeling pretty much his back was against the wall. But what was going on is that uh, a lot of the mothers who were coming into the program found themselves uh, pregnant, announces it to their boyfriend, and the boyfriend goes into a tirade, you got to have an abortion. And some of them that come into New Beginnings have had a number of abortions. But the, but the mother is saying, I don't want to do that anymore. I this is my child too, and they they want it, and so they they are the boyfriends are harsh, they're threatening. We've had to have police come for protection on occasion, and so forth. And then once they deliver the child, and because it's not a maternity home, that means that they stay and they continue to live there in the program. Then all of a sudden, the men are completely changed heart supposedly and say well you know i always loved you i just wasn't i just wasn't used to the idea of having a child and so forth it's all a manipulation game for some of them but it's in that culture it's the way that they were raised it's how they wanted to get things done the reality is is that 
whether a man wants the baby or not, whether the woman wants the baby or not, there needs to be a higher set of value, a higher standard. The baby wouldn't come into existence without the participation of both parties. If you got both parties involved, both parties should have a voice. Yes, the woman bears the brunt of it because she carries the child. But even, even after that point, even after the nine months when she carries the child, when the law is followed through, that, that shift of responsibility oftentimes goes to the man who is who's held by courts to pay child support, to try to get involved and so forth. One of the objections, even outside of Scripture, is they're deprived of voice. They're, they're told, you don't have any voice in this now. And so all of a sudden, they, they find themselves paying and, and 18 years of child support and all that kind of stuff. The point is, is that we have created a culture that has treated the unborn child like a pawn in a game. And both sides are just trying to win, and they're trying to win by pushing their weight around. And the reality is the victim is always the same one. Mm-hmm. It's always the child. So kind of shifting a little bit to the pro-life movement, what can men do to have a place in the pro-life movement? Or what, as, as Christian men, what, what is your place in the pro-life movement? I'd say one of the first things is to not be afraid to have a place, to not think that, oh, well, I'm going to get criticized, I'm going to get attacked as the chauvinist or anything like that, so I better just keep quiet. Don't be afraid of that, particularly as a Christian man. You you, you understand that taking the right stand and standing up to defend the defenseless is is what you are called to do. And I'd say that's that, that is actually something that should particularly resonate with us as men. To, to be brave, to be, be willing to, uh, uh, to take those risks and fulfill those responsibilities. doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, any situation we step into in the pro-life movement, we need to take control or be in charge or anything like that. Maybe it's going to be the, the more subtle kind of behind-the-scenes roles that, that we can fulfill without being the target of attacks or something like that. If you're a big hulking guy, six foot five and three hundred pounds, you know, yeah, you're probably not going to be the guy who's going to be doing sidewalk counseling in front of a, a pregnancy clinic because the way you're going to be perceived. But there's still plenty you can do, uh, support you can give, whether it's behind the scenes or, or right in front. This goes back to something we were talking about at the very beginning of this podcast, and that is the idea that men are sometimes felt like you shouldn't have a voice, you shouldn't be involved. And it's always interesting, when any, whenever a male majority legislative body votes for something that we would consider to be pro-life legislation, the uh, abortion rights movement will claim it's nothing but men you know, in, intruding on it. Pay no attention to the fact that it was seven men on the, the Supreme Court who ruled in favor of abortion, all of a sudden, you oh, yeah. know, now, you know, it's a, it's not a valid argument. That never gets mentioned. No. <laughs> and, um, but, you know, I can tell you from, from personal experience, when I got involved, first of all, it was just a matter of learning about the issue. But then when, when we moved from Minnesota to Wisconsin, and uh, I, I got involved with what today is Wisconsin Right to Life, and I worked in the office. I worked, I volunteered behind the scenes. I would go down, I, I was a student at the seminary. I would go down at night after work, and I'd I'd work on their newsletter, and that was my volunteer thing. And today, most of the leadership at Wisconsin Right to Life is all women, and the role I play with them now. I've served on their board, served on on their education committee, but um, now we just serve as donors to it. There, there are things that you can do, but 
part of it is like practicing what we preach. When we opened up New Beginnings in 1993, we didn't want it from 1983 to 1993 in the history of this organization. For 10 years, we kept trying to point out that abortion takes the life of a child. And then when somebody said, well, okay, so you don't do anything to help them afterwards, we tried to prove to them we do do something to help them afterwards. And of course, now it's never enough. That's because the real issue is we can't talk about human life. You know, we have to just talk about the autonomy and women's rights. When we look at, specifically look at scripture, what scripture can we look at to really maybe support this idea that men are needed to stand up and to promote life? Well, um, I mentioned the, the, the verse from Proverbs, or alluded to the verse from Proverbs earlier about, you know, speaking up for those who cannot speak for themselves, defending the defenseless. Yes, any Christian can do, can and should do that, but I think that that's something that, again, should resonate particularly with, with, with men who are, who are called upon to be the ones to, to defend and to protect and to, and to speak up. I'd say pretty much anything in the Bible that talks about fatherhood certainly in, informs this, you know, that uh, children are something to be treasured. Children are something to be cared for uh, as, as a father. That that role is a real blessing and privilege that we should embrace, and uh, whether it's for ourselves or for, for other men, uh, that's something that the Scripture very clearly says, this is, this is not something that you throw away. Uh, this is not something that you treat casually in any way. That when you become a father, which we shouldn't mention comes at the moment a child is conceived, you have become a father. That is something that you treat as, as a, a divine responsibility, a, a special vocation. I've always been struck that the mantra has always been to protect a woman's autonomy, the right to make decisions. But uh, men also have the right to care about other people. They have the right to practice Philippians too. In humility, I'm going to think more of others than myself. You're Just for you to, to now command me to stop doing that so that you could participate in things that uh, I don't agree with, I, I never want to surrender the right to speak up. I never want to surrender the right to think more of others than myself. And the, the problem is, is that those who advocate for abortion or abortion rights will create a scenario where they, they always make you look like you're the bad guy. Mm-hmm. Of course, they do that by not talking about unborn children. But part of it, too, is that, okay, I might be the bad guy, but I'm the one who's started a home for mothers. I'm the one who's giving money to support this thing. I'm the one who's speaking up, trying to, to protect both the mother and the child. And I think when we talk about men and abortion, we have to remember that a lot of the men and abortion are also men who care about the women. I mean, the the people that I associate with in the pro-life movement, the ones I know are very big into trying to protect the women, trying to, to help them not make a decision that you can't unmake at some point in life. So when I think kind of of myself, like being a woman, how can Christian women help and be supportive to men when it comes to the pro-life movement? I'd say one way would be to um, not allow them to accept the the silent role that society wants to give them. To just say, "Hey, speak up! You have something to say here too." Uh, whether so that, that little nudge. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. Maybe, or maybe a bigger nudge, depending yeah. on, on on who it is. It is well, and it's definitely frustrating for me when uh, how many times I present over the years and. 
the men will act like, well, my wife handles all that. I mean, even even when we talk about abortion, a lot of times it's, you know, the the checks will come in and they're made out by the women or the, you know, both should be equally engaged, equally concerned. And because there's a vested interest, God created the life, Christ redeemed the life, and we are called upon to reflect that high value. Yeah, but I would add one one point, which is a point I've made for, for a long time, even before I was in the ministry, that... Um, the reality is that in society, men are told, you shouldn't speak up on this. But the very things that they say disqualify men from speaking up on abortion are the things that qualify women to speak up on abortion. And so if you as a Christian woman are frustrated by, well, you know, within the church, I can't do, you know, speak up on this, or, you know, I think I should have a bigger role. This is an area where you can take that ball and run with it. Because the reality is that when you speak out against abortion, other women are going to have to listen to you in a way that they're not necessarily going to listen to a man speaking up on abortion. Whether it's right or not, we're just talking about the reality of it in our society today. Uh, and so I guess this is just an encouragement also to women to, to, to not be silent themselves and to recognize that they are uniquely suited because of their womanhood to speak up on this issue. And it's not taking anything away from men by doing so, simply dealing with the reality of the situation as it is and, and uh, acting in the, the position that you have been put in. Oh, I think that's a really good point. Is there anything else we should mention on this subject before we close out today? I think another point that's that's w- worth adding to the whole discussion of how this affects men is that this also, particularly with young men, contributes to them not growing and maturing as men. That if they are told, okay, there's this really important area of life where where you're not supposed to have anything to say. And yet at the same time, they're saying, go out, have your fun, sow your wild oats. But hey, you know, there are no consequences. You don't have to take responsibility for the things that you do and the choices you make. That doesn't grow anyone up. That doesn't create men. And this is, I think, an area in in which simply recognizing that part of raising boys to be men is teaching them that this is an area that, that, that they have responsibility for, not just in terms of publicly advocating for life, uh, but for making sure that within their own life, they are taking responsibility for their actions and, and following through as any Christian man and any Christian man who becomes a father will do, regardless of the circumstances in which he became a father. Well, and it's interesting because I've dealt with wealthy men who have confessed that they have paid for their girlfriend to have an abortion. And I've dealt with poor people who have mourned the fact that they had no voice in a girlfriend or a wife's abortion and so forth. There are a wide assortment of circumstances. People will say, well, you know, you're there in the mid conservative Midwest. Things are a lot different when you're here in the fast lane out in New York or Los Angeles or whatever. But the reality is is that society has begun to set a standard that doesn't reflect any objective source of authority to discount the value of an unborn child in favor of autonomous choices. I am no more in favor of a man demanding that a woman have an abortion than I am of a woman demanding to have an abortion. Because 
that there's that third party that's involved, and that's the voice that has to be heard. And the reason it should be valued is, first of all, because Scripture values it. But for those who want to say, well, you shouldn't be pushing religion in it, science recognizes it. It isn't like it becomes something else. At conception, it is human life. And then finally, society as a whole benefits from its ability to take care of its most defenseless people. The fabric of society is knit tighter when it can watch out for those who can't care for themselves. We've seen it time and time again through history, but in our in our rapid pace of looking to achieve some worldly goal, it's oftentimes the defenseless who get trampled and who get killed. And I think fathers need to teach their sons the tremendous value uh, there is in the gift of procreation. Uh, when When you get that announcement, I'm pregnant, it was always supposed to be the coolest message because God is saying that I want the race to continue. I want your line to continue. And it is something that society benefits in valuing. And I think as fathers, we, could, we can continue to always venerate the value of children. Thank you both for this discussion on men and abortion. And we thank all of our listeners, too, for, for joining us today. And we look forward to having you back next time. So thanks a lot. Bye. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Life Challenges podcast from Christian Life Resources. Please consider subscribing to this podcast, giving us a review wherever you access it, and sharing it with friends. We're sure you have questions on today's topic or other life issues. Our goal is to help you through these tough topics, and we want you to know we're here to help. You can submit your questions as well as comments or suggestions for future episodes at lifechallenges.us or email us at podcast at christianliferesources.com. In addition to the podcasts, we include other valuable information at lifechallenges.us, so be sure to check it out. For more about our parent organization, please visit christianliferesources.com. May God give you wisdom, love, strength, and peace in Christ for every life challenge.